0: Right now, I'm just enjoying trying to get good at things and and good enough at least to appreciate it. And at at the very least, you at least understand how much hard work other people are doing to do something for you when you do it yourself. It's very easy to tell someone to go mow the lawn or chop that tree down or to do something for you if you've never done it before yourself. Do it yourself a few times. Realize how hard it is. Put yourself in their shoes and then you'll have more greater appreciation like waiting a table, you know, bartending, no matter what it is. Yeah, you know, it seems easy enough until you have to do it yourself.
1: Welcome to the Routine Project podcast, the one show that is hyper-focused on routines and routines only. The reason why is because I, your host, Justin Crawford, have found that routines are the secret to building and growing whatever it is we want out of this life. Nothing's off limits here as I'm going to get into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, athletes, and many more. And my only mission is for you to be inspired enough to take a little bit of the routines they have and get after building the ones that make the most sense for you. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're listening. Now let's get today's episode rolling. All right, everybody, Uh, if you clicked play, thank you because Nigel Barker is here today and y'all, Uh, Not only are we excited to talk about your routines, Nigel, but I feel like there's a lot to catch up on just around your life uh, after being one of the industry's most iconic photographers, all the way to America's Next Top Model, where we we love and remember you from uh, in in most days, and then everything in between. Um, You know, guys, he's done a lot of laps both around the fashion and entertainment businesses in most ways that people would only dream of. Uh, And so Nigel, while doing those laps, I can't wait to get into some of these questions with you about routines uh, then and now really, uh, and how you've built such an extraordinary life. So thank you for saying yes to coming on this podcast.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good to be here.
1: So through the lens, man, I just kind of wanted to start with you, you know, back when you chose to become a photographer and then someone who's kind of originated your career in such a way around that being more of a creative. And I know, you know, do share a little bit about how you were going to go on and be a doctor, but your parents had originally been like, no, I kind of want you to be a doctor. And then your mother got you into modeling and such. But kind of wanted to start there with you, if you may. Um, And just kind of like, when did you first discover that you wanted to kind of get into more of that creative Photography, like I guess through the lens of a photographer, right? Like, when did you decide all of that for yourself? And then ultimately, how did it all come to life?
0: Well, I mean, I think sort of stepping back a moment, I mean, I, as a kid, I was always into being creative. I always enjoyed anything artistic related. So, you know, like I most kids, you look forward to art class. I look forward to woodwork, metalwork, pottery. Um, anything where I can kind of get my hands into it. And it it was past that too. I loved working in the garden. I loved, I headed up the arboretum work at my school and and looked after the trees. And and I kind of, you know, just enjoyed doing things creatively and and with my hands and and designing things and and capturing things. And um, I also got into photography early, but it wasn't like my major passion. And, And funnily enough, even to this day, it isn't necessarily my major passion. It, it's, mm. it's something that I, I love to do, um, and it's something I made a name for myself with, and it's something that I, but it isn't necessarily the, the one thing that drives me, as in, as long as I'm being creative on one level or another, that aspect of me that I, that I, that I strive to fulfill is fulfilled. So, it, it, as long as I'm doing something within that world, and sometimes it can be as simple as create, being, um, sort of creating a concept that somebody Mm -hmm. else is going to execute. That process of making, creating something is enough to kind of get me excited and I feel like, oh, I'm in my element, right? So, um, you know, but I started photography very early on, um, 14, 15 years old. Uh, My biology teacher, Dr. Adams, um, took me under his wing and he taught me how to uh, actually print black and white photography. Uh, So this is back in the 80s. and you know i like as you mentioned was sort of more like more destined to go to medical school and i studied biology chemistry physics and math Mm -hmm. those are my subjects and you know with those subjects you're not really going to be an artist you're going to be you know doing something in 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 the in the sciences and you know i was headed to med school but you know my mother entered me into a show on television in, in the uk in 1988 89 called The Clothes Show. And um, it's very, it was a sort of fashion show, almost if you were imagine mashing Project Runway with America's Next Top Model, it's yeah. that show. Oh, yeah. it, it has both designers and the, and fashion and it's hosted by a series of other experts in the field, but they'd never done a, a model search before. And this was the very first one. My mum, who had been a model back in her time, thought, well, I'm gonna submit you. And she did it without even asking me, actually. She just put me into this competition. <laughs> and, and she's like, oh, you know what? You have you kind of got through the first pre- you know, pre- preliminary, rather, um, stage of this. Um, do you want to go and check it out? It's in Birmingham, which was really in London. just like a couple mm. of hour drive. And I thought, oh, this is kind of exciting. I don't know what it's going to be. I, I've never thought of I never And I'd never thought of modeling, funnily enough. It not, had not crossed my mind at all. Um, you know, partly because I went to a boarding school in England and they, you know, no one ever talked about anything like that. It was as far away from my imagination, even though my mother had been one. And um, I, I remember being sort of scouted immediately when I got there. And they, they were like, oh, you don't actually have to do the audition process. You're on the, we, we'll bring you on. Mm. And I'm like, oh that sounds, that's amazing. And it was a televised show and I didn't win in the end. I came third, but that's what kind of spurred me to go, okay, instead of going to medical school, let me take a year off, like a sabbatical year between going from high school to college and try out modeling. That, you know, be careful, as I say oftentimes, be careful parents what you allow your, your kids to do because that ultimately, one year led to two years, led to financial independence, led to my parents saying, go back to college and me saying, no, thank you. I'd rather no. <laughs> stay in this rather cool fashion world and, and, you know, continue working here and, and have fun, make money, meet, wonderful extraordinary beautiful people and travel the world right it sounds pretty you know appetizing to a young person um and um you know i did that for like six seven years into the mid 90s living in milan living in paris living all over europe taking trips to new york i was first in new york in 91 and you know stayed there for many many months and worked with people like ralph lauren and calvin klein and what have you and got a real taste of the industry and it was at that point that I. Clearly, could, you know, having worked with hundreds, if not more, sort of really great photographers in the fashion industry,
1: mm-hmm.
0: suddenly saw fa- photography as a career choice. It was like, because back when I was a kid, no one taught you how to do, be a photographer at school. You know, my science teacher taught me how to print, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a class. It was like literally in my free time, I would go and see him and he would show me how to print. But so, and there were no degree courses in photography. Now there were loads, but there were none back then, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was... A very different time and, and so sort of witnessing what photographers could do and and the fact that they could have staying power in the industry and it didn't really matter what you looked like that you know if you lost your hair if you put on weight whatever it was you could start with <laughs> no what the photographer looked like so I'm like you know okay if, you know I, I've just spent six years in this business I can either stop and go and try and find a real job <laughs> so to speak um, and, <laughs> uh, and you know or I could parlay my experience and that life experience of working in the industry, and all my connections I had just got over the past six years, and sort of transition into doing photography, which I love doing. Mm. And it also fulfilled that creative bug in me. Um, so, in sort of, you know, really, I for the next couple of years, I, you know, and I met my wife in 94, mm. Chrissy, and her sister, Kimmy, in Milan. And for the next couple of years, I really just, photographed them and had fun with all their friends and photographing everybody all my friends and I was still sort of modeling not modeling photographing sort of trying to do a bit of both and in 96 I decided okay that's it I shaved my head I was like I'm no longer going to be a model I'm (laughs) getting I had long hair long thick hair like I'm changed
1: my identity yeah yeah
0: no (laughs) one could recognize me also like I used to get booked for a lot of commercials for um hair if you can believe it, I was a hair model no i so wish i I'm could like, say the same <laughs> So i was like you know what i'm gonna shave it off so that i can't get those jobs anymore and like otherwise it's too tempting i get so it. i'm like I, and, and i needed to make a clean break and I, so i also moved to new york having lived in you know the, the europe for, for years and you know i set up a studio in the meatpacking district which was a very sort of shady kind of part of town with you know meatpacking going on everywhere and as the name suggests of course, if you go there today, you'd have no idea because there's not a meatpacker in sight, and it's full of nice hotels and places like the Soho House and the Apple Store. And, oh, right, right. You, know, you name it, and super chic and cool. And uh, but back then, it wasn't. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, so in many respects, that was that transition. That's how I got into it. I love
1: that your story alone. I'm over here like, all right, well, let's do the Nigel narrative and just and close this out. But with it being the routine project, Nigel. I mean, you you just hit the nail on the creative head there, where you said, no matter what right? Even before we heard your extraordinary story just now, you, no matter what you're doing, if you are creative, you are satisfied. And so I feel like in a lot of contexts, folks can almost guess the routine of somebody who is on Wall Street or somebody who's in tech, maybe, right? The typical nine to five person who's working a normal job, right? On a normal salary. But I feel like for you, how would you describe a routine of a creative if at all? Right. Cause I, I can't, I could never have done so. So I'm just, I'm, that was my first question for you is like, if you think of a routine at all, or what that structure of a routine has looked like over the course of your career as a creative first, uh, how would you describe that?
0: Well, I mean, I think there's different ways to break that down. I mean, I think you can, you know, if I, if I look at just sort of from a day-to-day perspective of what a routine looks like, you know, my day, my, I have, they've always somewhat been somewhat similar um, from, you know, when I first started 25, 30 years ago to today. As in, I'm early to rise uh, and and sort of early to bed type of guy. So I, I love the daylight. I get stimulated by daylight. And as soon as the sun goes down, I go down. And it's sort of a, and it's just a part of kind of who I am. I'm not someone who needs to burn the midnight oil to get things done. I'd rather wake up at crack of dawn when I am and I feel fresh spring out of bed. And actually, as soon as I see the light, some people, like my wife's the opposite. My wife is like, sees the sun and she's like, well, you know, am I gonna sleep? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's the sun is up. And I am like excited about all things that could be done that day. And not to say one's better than the other. I mean, my wife just gets a lot done and she stays up late and that's her thing, right? And, and mm-hmm. actually kind of gives us quiet time. And i remember when we first met she would lie in the bed go to sleep you know in the morning and and, and i would go off and one of the things i i try to do always in those those hours are go to the gym and work out and i and Mm -hmm. i've been doing this for years and so back when i was you know from 18 onwards um when it was not as cool back in back in the day to go work out I used to go work out and I remember the gym I would go to would be full of like U.S. servicemen and yeah. and, <laughs> and, and guys straight out of jail <laughs> because those are the only people who were working out right were, 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 yeah. were, were sort of ex-cons and, and, and the U.S. military this is in the U.K. right yeah. so when I was in England because the English people didn't work out back then and I would but I was sort of like really into it um and um and, and, and still to this day like 5.45 in the morning I like to wake up and work out and do that because there's no email, there's no phone calls, there's no mm-hmm. you know, business, it's me time. And I think it's really important to sort of set yourself with me time and figure out, who, you know, and, and, and sort of get your energy out and get set your day. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I like to have a cup of tea in the morning. I, you know certain things that I like to do. I don't drink coffee and I don't actually drink caffeine either. So my tea is, is, is um, caffeine free. There's no caffeine goes into my body ever um so I, I think it's important for me to feel in control i'm, I'm a, sort of a bit of a control freak and i find that with any kind of stimulant that i that i'm no longer in control that i'm being woken by the caffeine and i'm being put to sleep by something else and, and, and i think society does a lot of that i i myself have always been like if i'm if i'm awake i'm awake if i feel tired i want to go to bed that's my body telling me what to do and i yeah. kind of listen to that and also having those quiet times helps you focus on mm. thoughts and what I want to do that day and what's going on. And I like to go for walks, you know, and I'll go out and I'll walk. If I'm ever on a phone call, I'm rarely sitting down. I'm one of those people who gets up and paces all around the place on the phone. So people will see me like walking around the house. Right, yeah. <laughs> in my house like that. I'm like, I don't do as good sitting down and doing this. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really sort of looking at a lot of things. Also, I'm not someone who sort of, I, I, you know, I, as I say, I'm not a multitasker. I guess what that means is is that I, I will often have many projects going on at once. So in many ways, I'm multitasking on the grand scheme of a routine. But when it comes down to the specifics, I focus and I don't do 10 things at the same time. So I do, like when I focus on whatever I'm doing, that's all I'm doing at that moment. Mm. So if I'm talking to you right now, I'm not, like some people can do that and then write an email at the same time and have their iPad, you know, doing something on the other side and they're looking at something else and they're able to do five things at once. And I, I, I'm always impressed by people like that. But for me, I'm someone who, you know, at that one moment, it's about quality time. It's not about how much time, like how long it is. Mm. It's about focusing and being on 100% of my attention in on that moment. And certainly when I'm looking through a camera, a lot of it is like that. It's that focus um, as to, what I'm looking at and being directly in that moment and, and looking all, and being very focused in that scene. So, you know, the, the sort of routine of my day, you know, it is about you know sort of being able to quiet the storm around me and and, and 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 sort of be very in touch with the moment and being very aware of my surroundings, being very aware of the of of the the news, the press, the music, mm. that what's going on in the world. Trying to feel plugged in. It's sort of, if, if you got, you know, no matter where you are, if you're, you know, being plugged into what's around you, your surroundings, for me is very important. It helps me get creative and get excited about the project, you know, for whatever the project might be.
1: Okay, so I tell everybody this on every podcast because I'm just super honest. You not only just named the episode because I feel like being plugged into a routine or like plugging yourself into a routine could very much well be what we call Nigel's episode after I produce this thing. Nigel, that's awesome because like, like you had said, that quiet time. I mean, I have a follow-up now, but your morning sets the tone for the rest of the day. And I mean, that there's no there's no surprise to that for anybody else, but the fact that you f- almost have gotten in the habit of doing so, so often that then you can really focus while you're working on, like you had said, 10 projects at a time. So my, my next question for you now is like during the morning time, when you've gotten in such a routine of, you know, being a morning person and getting excited at 5:45 to work out, but then ultimately leaving enough of that quiet time to then maybe plan the day or to kind of prioritize what's happening. And then like you had said, plug in, Does that then help you focus? So say, for instance, you need to do a photo shoot and then maybe master edit it right after. And then how does your brain work in those moments of focus time based on the morning?
0: No, I think it's crucial. I mean, if I don't do the morning part of my routine, it throws me off completely, you know, so that, you know, and I I don't feel like the same guy. I'm also, funnily enough, I, I don't feel like I need to eat a lot in the day. You know, so I... Um, not to say that I don't eat, but if, if I do eat, it slows me down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm someone who, you know, I, I've often just looked at things, I've tried to look at things logically. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, cultural reasons why we eat breakfast and lunch and dinner and, and these things, uh, because, you know, that's what society says we either need or what we should be doing or, um, but when you look at any animal, any, any animal in the entire animal kingdom, none of them are said sitting down to have breakfast, lunch and dinner, right? There's not a single animal on the planet that does that, right? And you know, they'll eat when they eat and they'll eat when they can eat and they'll eat when they hunt and they capture something, or they are constantly grazing because of the kind of food they're eating is just not calorific enough. So they're trying to find food if you're, you know, deer or cow or something. So in many ways, I look at it as if to say, you know, I don't really need to be eating all day, all the time, What I do eat is important, and and I'll eat. I know, and I know I will eat. And I, it's funny. So you know, some people who work with me are often like, you know, and I'm like, look, stop for lunch, stop for this, stop for that. But I won't necessarily stop. So I'll I'll let other people stop, and sometimes I will break my team up into two, so I can continue working through it while the team takes turns to eat. Um, And 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 it's just the way I've become now, so that I I know that I will eat, and Mm -hmm. I'm happy. And at that point, that's fine. So it's but all of these things too that hunger being Even slightly right. hungry uh, you know if you look at a wild cat like a or a you know lion or a tiger or any of the carnivores you know it's the hunger that drives them it's what makes them really whip smart and really quick as soon as they've eaten they go to sleep on a thing and they go and they're useless you know they're like they're not say so useless but they're like they're no longer predators you know they mm. all of a sudden they're like pussycats on a big thing oh i've eaten it's a bit like a bear they get, they get eat their right. food and they're
1: like mm. Lethargic when they have any yeah.
0: they're they're most dangerous when they haven't eaten because they're hungry. And and, and and so they're completely awake trying to capture their prey. So I take that same idea and concept into who I am and so during the day, by having not eaten, I'm even more aware. I'm even more on my sort of alert as to my hunting instincts and they apply to everything that I'm doing, what I'm looking at, what I'm saying, what I'm suggesting. So I feel very alive. And so that when I do eat, which is later on the after, you know, late afternoon, early evening, then then I'm, you know, then at that point that the day is kind of over, I can have a cocktail, I can have something to eat. And I'm, I'm like, hey, you know what, I've had a great day, and I can settle in and I can have an early night and up again the next day. So that's all these are all parts of my sort of routines about how I how I do what I do. Um, and why I do what I do.
1: Hmm. I love hearing this. If you're tuning in right now, you're probably like, "Whoa! Now I'm gonna not eat until probably four, and then get my fucking cocktail too." Nigel, we we have so many minutes left with you, so I want to get into your night routine now that we've kind of unfolded as to how you wake up and then pursue the day. What is the night part of of Nigel Barker's routine now when you're when you're winding down after you've probably had that meal and you know you're looking forward to the following day, but then your body's probably tired, your mind is probably tired. What is that night routine for you?
0: You know, uh, it, 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 it somewhat varies, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm someone who likes to have a, a nice dinner with my family. I like to cook. Again, it's mm-hmm. this, it's, the, it's a sort of, it's an unwinding, but it's also a creative outlet for me. That's mm-hmm. so why I'm, I'm a big sort of cook at home. And, you know, I, I like the, the process of, of, of creating a good meal. I like the family to all eat together. So we have, you know, one good meal every day together. It's almost always dinner, unless it's the weekend and you know my kids got two, uh, you know a boy and a girl teenagers and my wife and i will all sit down uh, maybe we open a bottle of wine and my wife and i will enjoy it or we'll have a cocktail earlier and you know and that's you know most nights you know i'll, I'll have a cocktail i probably th- 2 3 nights of the <laughs> yeah i i mean you know not necessarily have a big big drinker but i'll have have a cocktail and i like the process i like the mixology i like the story behind the cocktail i like the history of where it came from when it was first created and what and why and how the flavors mix and infuse and and so all these things and so the story behind wine the story behind beer all that kind of stuff too and it's you know a big part of our history i mean you know wine and, and beer have been around for thousands of years right so I mean, it's, it's biblical, right? It goes all the way back. So there's, and it's a part of that whole process of, you know, which I enjoy. And there is an element of of, of drug to it because with wine there is, you know, it, it, it does calm you down. So although I don't do caffeine in that mm-hmm. situation, the alcohol does sort of bring you down. But as you might tell, I'm quite, I'm someone who's got a lot of energy, I'm quite passionate about what i do so in many ways that's my one thing my one sort of thing that i lean on but you know i like as part of all of this i also like to settle down and do the crossword puzzle or something that really does sure. relax and takes me in and relaxes me and it's just something where my mind is doing something very simple i'm not thinking about the world's problems i try not to watch the news or do anything like that right before i go to bed Mm. Partly it's just overstimulated um, and I don't want to get upset or, or you know, I, if I do that, I do that in the morning. I, you know, it's like I, part of my morning routine is looking at the news and looking at the papers and going through all of that. And, you know, but in the evening, it's family. It's what what the kids have been doing. It's eating. It's, you know, calming my body down and, you know, doing things like that, you know, and bathing and that sort of thing, you
1: know. Mm-hmm. Nigel, this is so freaking cool to hear. I feel like we're getting to know you. It, it, should you had seen Nigel on America's Next Top Model? Should you had seen him at New York Fashion Week ten years ago? Should you had seen him on the streets in New York? It's cool that, like, just asking you what your routines are. We're becoming your friend, right? We're get, we're getting to know who you are, uh, which is which is what I think the most powerful thing of this podcast is. Let alone the fact that I think a lot of what you said people can really grab from uh, and take forward with them. In short, how would you describe how you get shit done? Because I'm imagining like you take on a big project and someone's like knock knock nigel i really want you to do this with us number one if you say yes how do you then go about proceeding and, and building out maybe a routine or process to make sure that project comes to life successfully
0: well i mean first of all I'm, I'm 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 not a one-man band so i have my wife and i have worked together for years and i've got a team of great people so on any photo shoot there's multiple people that i'll bring into the picture that will help me with these things people who Have worked with me for years, some people who are relatively new, but I I sort of have a great lot of have a lot of loyalty around me with great people who work really hard, have proved themselves, and who I can trust. And I think that you know having people that you can trust and and having trust in general is so important Mm -hmm. to success. You know, loyalty is incredibly important, and trust is incredibly important, and that's to any relationship and for getting anything done. If you don't trust, if you don't have loyalty, it's very hard to get anything done, actually, uh, because you don't know whether anyone's actually doing their job. You don't know how well they're going to do it, and you don't know whether they're going to stick to what they said they were going to do. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, it, that, that's that been a big part of, of, of my success. Is You know, my wife and I met when she was 18, I was 22, um, back in 1994, and we've been together ever since. And so this is going on 28 years now, right? So, you know, it's, it's a long time, and that, in large part, gave me massive focus because I was no longer out there looking for someone to fall in love with or whatever we had each other and we became this strong team with each other's best interests at heart and so whenever I take on a new project you know I speak talk to my entire team about whether we want to do this together whether we're all committed whether we all like it it's not just whether I like it or whether someone I mean we try and weigh it up and then you know it's about you know, putting enough energy into every aspect of it. And the thing is, is that I make sure that certain people are sort of CC on every email to me and what have you. So that as a team, we stay on top of what's happening and prioritize what needs to be done here and there by which different people, which members of the team to get it done. Um, and, you know, and we've, we, we have great success with that, you know, and we take on projects as varied as, you know, I'm as literally, I've just come on as the photographer to shoot something to, you know, we're building out the entire campaign and the creative around it, executing it and delivering the final deliverables and and what have you. And, you know, we do things from like website design all the way through to uh, interior design and decorating um, of buildings um, to photographing them and creating art for them, working in the hospitality industry, tourist industry, fashion industry, advertising industry, commercial industry. Um, you know, a lot, across a lot of different sectors. Um, and I, I also think that it's important to take on things that are passion projects, you know, whether it's writing books. Um, I've written a couple of books in my time and um, and done fun projects that are outside of the, perhaps my normal realm, you know, whether it's designing a trash can, whether it's creating furniture, whether it's designing a skateboard or a mm. selection of skateboards. You know, we've done a lot of different things, I've designed um gin and tonic glasses you know with Bacardi and Marriott hotels back in the day and you know I I like to think that you know if you can let your imagination run riot riot, there's no reason why any of us shouldn't do a lot of this sort of stuff we often think we're we're stuck doing certain things because that's what we're known for Mm. but we all know when you taste something good that that tastes good you don't need to be told by someone else that that tastes good. People will tell you this is a top restaurant. You may go there and go, actually, I didn't enjoy it very much. But that's okay. That's your opinion. And that's, a big, that's a very important, your opinion. And I often say to people, don't ask for everyone else's opinion. Take your own opinion and realize that you have worth in your, what, what you think. If you're a photographer, you're a creative, you need to have a signature style. And people need to know what they get from you. And that's only possible if you value your own opinion yeah and that 's not to say that you 're conceited with it, but that you 're confident with the fact that you have an opinion and it 's valid um, and, and that you know and that other people might also appreciate your opinion on this mm. and they want honesty and they want truth and they trust your opinion um, so because you 're willing to give it and it comes from a good place, it comes from that where how you feel about something and you know that 's a uh, crucial to, to being able to edit and, and select things and it 's also crucial to for for really you know setting a a, a tone that d- differentiates what you do from everyone else um and that's in large part why people come to me and f- to us at nigel bark llc and studio mb inc to to work for them is um you know, that we sort of try and set a tone and and, and create something potentially unique for every client that we work for
1: because you're just creatively creating Nigel Barker and to have said yes to this podcast look i never anticipate what you were going to say based around these questions and so this has been so supplemental to what I believe will really help people. So thank you. I have one quick question for you. And that is a quote. It's based on a quote that I read, or I actually heard you say this out loud, but you, you had mentioned before that you weren't brilliant at anything, but you're pretty good at everything. And it sounds like that came to life through your companies, through your businesses, through your career, through your life. And so this last question for you, Nigel, is where do you feel like that's been most beneficial for you, um, both professionally and personally being pretty good at everything, but not brilliant at anything?
0: Well, you know, I think there are people out there who are brilliant at things, and sometimes brilliant at everything. But you know, you, you, it's it's not a negative to be not brilliant at something. And I think that you know we live in a society where perfection is is a must, and that coming first is the most important thing, and that winning is always the best. And and that's the sort of societal norms. You know, if you're in the Olympics, you a gold medal, and then, you know there's a few other medals, and then there's no medals, right? But it's really the gold you Win a race, it's the first one through that tape, but there's a lot to be said for coming not first. And you know, and there's often you know, go to biblical again, not that I'm a particularly religious person, but you know, the, the first will be last and the last will be first. Um, it's something that I've always thought about in my life, and and it's you know, sometimes it's the you know, the, the tortoise or that wins the race, and and so there's an element of you know, I'm not brilliant in any one thing, I don't think. But I'm pretty darn good at most things that, that are around me. And it's not to be so conceited, but I like to cook, but I'm not a chef. You know, I like to do all kinds of things, you know, I like to create, does it work in the garden, you know, but I'm not really a gardener. You know, I, I'll put my hand at doing the electric in the house, even the plumbing. I'll, I'll, you know, make cement and I'll work on the house, but I'm not great at construction, you know, but I feel like ultimately I can have a go. But what it does help me do is it helps me guide people who I hire for, hire to do those jobs who are much better than me and who are experts and having a base knowledge and not being scared to try things means that one people take me somewhat seriously when I ask them to do something because I'm not completely ignorant and two I'm not scared to get my hands dirty and have a go and that depends on no matter what it is and it also helps me feel like I'm leading my life to the fullest and who knows maybe I'll discover something that I am brilliant at during the process but right now I'm just enjoying trying to get good at things and, and good enough at least to appreciate it and at, and at the very least you at least understand how much hard work other people are doing to do something for you when you do it yourself it's very easy to tell someone to go mow the lawn or chop that tree down or to do something for you. If you've never done it before yourself, do it yourself a few times, realize how hard it is, put yourself in their shoes, and then you'll have more greater appreciation, like waiting a table, you know, bartending, no matter what it is, you know, it seems easy enough until you have to do it yourself. So that's part of the reason.
1: Mr. Barker, that concludes. Like, so perfectly had concluded this episode with you on the routine project podcast Uh, if you're listening you can totally check out everything nigel's up to if you click on that little description below uh it says see more you got to just tap it we're going to link everything that nigel's company and himself uh social accounts and all the things that he's been up to recently to check out more of what's happening with mr nigel barker so thank you so much again for saying yes
0: of course my pleasure and best of luck good luck everybody
1: out there Hey, Routiners, thanks for listening to the Routine Project podcast today. Now, this show is only going to grow because of you, amazing people who continue to take a step in the right direction in building or growing those routines that matter most to you hang out with me all season long by clicking that subscribe button on whatever platform you clicked play on. And when you come back for more episodes, your thoughts matter just as much as mine. So if you'd click that rating and review section to let me know what you love and what you learned from today's conversation, I would really appreciate it. Until I get that next episode to you, my name is Justin Crawford, and this is the Routine Project Podcast.